you know, I think guys that can handle the bat are key, and whether it's Wit, SB, you know, you can you can do a lot of things with those guys. You know, you can hit and run, you can, you know, bunt like KK did and kind of turn it over to the top. So, I mean, I think by now, it, you know, top of the order, we're going to let those guys hit, you know, and I think having some options, you know, in the middle and at the bottom is a really good thing. So here's the thing. You know that I'm generally, Kevin Barker, not a big fan of small ball. I just think small ball's a good way it to lose. It wasn't small ball. Let me, well, thank you, but let me finish. Just God. People consider that small ball. They, they, anytime really? anybody, anytime. The nine-hole hitter butting a guy over in the any, tenth inning. Kevin, have you seen, how often does that not happen in this city? Not not, at, not after you just stopped the other team in the tenth inning from scoring. Right. No, absolutely so, not. But my point is, I like home runs. I, small well, ball small ball to me. You can win one or two games a year with it. But other than that, even with the new rules, home runs, I, th- I think home runs. Obviously, home runs are still the thing. But yesterday, the Blue Jays. See, we confuse small ball with situational baseball. There you go. Right? There you go. That's better. There, to me, there's nothing small ball about a sacrifice fly. You know, th- there just isn't. But I will say this about last night's win, and that was John Schneider. Talking about the Jays' 4-3 win, it, it is intriguing how, yeah, not intriguing, but it is interesting, interesting at least, how when you look at this lineup, you know, essentially you've got the top four guys who just kind of do their thing, and then you got the bottom of the lineup that... 6-3-9. 6 through 9 yeah. that does, that just kind of, kind of complements the top, the top of the lineup. But... And listen, it, it is true that to, to win a game the way the Jays won yesterday, I mean, those are, those are, every win's a good win, but your ace is on the mound pitching his, pitching, you know, his you-know-what off. You can't get anything going offensively. You hurt yourself in the bases, all this stuff. And yet somehow you end up winning that game. Like it's and and you win it because your number nine hitter, a lefty, actually can get a bunt down against a lefty. And I'm I'm saying that because last year, look, we've seen Santiago Espinal. How many times have we seen him try to put a bunt down and pop up? Like we're starting to see some of the stuff. I think the Jays talked about in spring training. You made a point in Blue Jays talk yesterday. We're down on the field before the game. Well, I want you to explain because it was a great point. We're down on the field before the game, and the Jays are doing during batting practice. They're doing drills that I haven't seen them do it's before rare. a game. It's rare. It's rare. Often. It, so it, I want you to talk well, about it because it's funny how they do that and then it translates into the game in a meaningful way. Yeah, it, yeah. I, I, I was there really early yesterday. And, and okay, there you was, don't have to tell there, everybody there, there, that. Well, you said that I, I on was, Blue Jays talk. I, I we understand. I, Barker I was, was there I'm going to tell everybody, and I'll continue to tell everybody right. that I was, I was the first person there. <laughs> I pushed the button to open the roof. You did, yeah. Nice job in that. <laughs> you're, you're welcome, everybody. No, no. Turn the was, lights on. I, I saw I saw Mark Budzinski uh, with the machine and and putting the the ball in the machine, and they were trying to bunt. I saw Kevin Kiermaier. I saw Danny Jansen. I saw uh, Espinal, and I actually made fun of Bud because I was thinking it's awfully early in the season for you guys to try and figure out how to bunt. Do these guys actually know how to do that? And he's like, absolutely. We're go- They're hitting at the bottom of the order for a reason. Occasionally, you're going to have to figure out situational baseball to win a game when you're not hitting, like you said. Everybody loves the homer. 
but occasionally you're going to run into an Eduardo Rodriguez who is carving you up with the backdoor cutter and the and the cutter's end to righties or a bunch of dudes that, or a up. bunch of dudes that are throwing 97, 98 out of the bullpen. Absolutely. So, so occasionally yeah. you're just not going to be able to win baseball games like that, and you're going to have to do the little things. And we actually saw base running. You know, they were during batting practice they were doing the thing at third base where they were working on tag ups and and getting good read, jumps getting, and getting reads jumps. off the bag and and you know Danny Jansen in the tenth inning. If that ball, if Bias would have dove and caught the ball, for me, he's still safe because he had a good jump. Yes. You know why he had a good jump? Because he practiced. Yes. It, it's baseball 101, and everybody should be able to, to do that. But if you're going to say it out loud, like John has said it since spring training, and I'm sure they said it as soon as they lost the last game at home, the playoffs to Seattle, that we need to be better everywhere. We're not always going to be able to hit the three-run homer. We're going to face good pitchers who know how to keep it in the yard who can add and subtract, locate, have late movement, have a secondary pitch, and you're going to have to do little things. I know it's Detroit. Who cares? Ask the Rays. They played a bunch of bad teams. That's what you're supposed to do. But occasionally, you're going to have to do a bunch of little things, like Kirky coming off, and he hits that ball on the ground in the ninth inning. The game's over. They mm-hmm. don't win that game. It's at bats like that, right? You need to get a a split finger down the middle. You can't try and chase on the corners. You roll over something to the shortstop, the third baseman. You know, he's not the fastest of guys. So it's at bats like that. Whit Merrifield hitting the, the sack fly with two strikes to center field. It's the walk. It's the Vladdy staying in the big part of the field in the ninth inning. They've been preaching that. Forever, We've been down there in the last two days, and that's all they've talked about is staying in the big part of the field, letting the ball travel, being a tough out. I mean, the ninth inning, could it get it? I mean, those at-bats are legit big league championship at-bats. Again, I get it. It's the Tigers. But you still, the, the lights were bright. Like, it was crunch time. You had to pass the baton to every single guy. When John called on somebody, Kirky to come in, you know, it was up to Belt Kirky, that thing, whether A.J. was bringing in a righty, bringing in a lefty. You knew somebody was coming up for him to to push the right envelope and bring the right guy up and have the right at bat. It was – I just, again, I played for the Blue Jays in 2006. We all know who the manager was. I never did those things. And I was one of the guys that would hit six through nine if I ever played – Right? And you were and certainly should, one of the guys that would be in a pinch hit situation no would be called upon to do something no question. handy, so, right? So those little things yeah. of base running and this early in the season, you know, it, sounds, it looks like eyewash. And I even said it to the people, you should know how to do this. It's baseball 101, but it's just that muscle memory. It's just like it's second nature to you. I don't think about it anymore mm. because I've done it so much. That when it happens, it happens. The uh, Jays are now eight and four. They've won seven of their last uh, of, of the of their last eight. The game winning hit was delivered by uh, George Springer. First pitch swing, uh, just I mean that that whole that that whole inning that was just smart. That whole inning was a smart inning. From the blue, team. it was well. The Springer OO sinker on the black is a perfect pitch. I mean, sometimes it, you rather be lucky than good. I know, I know he stayed in the big part of I the know, field. But, he had length to his swing, and it's George Springer. That's sort of why he's leading off, right? Yeah. Because you want him to come up in situations like that. I just, I just like the Kiermaier, the Kiermaier thing. We all know he's an athlete. He knows how to handle the bat. He's a good bunter. We all know those things. Kevin Kiermaier walking to the plate because I saw him practice the exact same bunt to third base, knowing who's running at second. Yeah. 
You know, Danny Jansen's not a slow runner, but he's not a fast runner. No. And you know you have to make the third baseman field the baseball to just make it a no-brainer you have to, to where make him move Danny in. can just glide into third. And what you're doing is setting it up for a guy coming up yeah. who's standing on the on-deck circle to make his at-bat easier. And that's how you win 100 games. If you're thinking the Jays can win 100 games, which I'm not real sure because that's really hard to do and you're going to have to have a lot of luck throughout the season – 100 wins is 100 wins, but if if they have any chance of doing it, they're going to do it like they did it last night. 4-3 was the final in 10 innings. The Jays will wrap up the series tonight with Chris Bassett on the mound. Uh, and uh, hopefully, I mean, I presume they'll be looking for, well, I was going to say they'll be looking for what they got out of Kevin Gossman last seven night. Innings. Like, yeah, seven innings. Kevin Gossman, terrific last night. Eight, eight, eight innings pitched, five hits, three earned runs, 11 strikeouts, zero walks, 103 pitches, Kevin, he had, what, 24, 25 first-pitch strikes? 24 uh, out of 28 batters. Uh, the splitter. Give me the splitter numbers again. I didn't write it down, but the, the, the splitter was... Uh, he, had, he had 19 swing and misses, like you said. He had 13 on the split finger, four on the fastball, yeah. two on the slider. Uh, he threw 44 split fingers. He threw 46 fastballs. He threw 13, 13 sliders. sliders is a lot. Yeah. Like that, that is the but sort of the one number, you know, but I, that's I, all, but can I just, that's also eight innings. Sort of. Right. Like I, I, that's I, eight innings. I guess he's trying to be a little bit more unpredictable. He has said, right. It's that three and a half yep. years. He's, he's developed it. He feels confident in it. Now I'm assuming he probably don't want to throw it to the eight hole hitter. Oh, oh, to give him a chance to actually put a ball and play hard somewhere and have success. Right. Uh, Cabrera at bat. I think he, you know, he's sort of blown him away with fastballs. He flipped one in there. That's sort of when you're seeing him throw it. Mm -hmm. He's not used it to eliminate hitters because of the split finger, the elevated fastball. He's throwing harder last night, which is good. He maintained he that throughout the entire second last pitch of the night, 97.6. He knew he was at the end, right? That's yep. what they do. They save it for when they need it, sort of like that Verlander kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, lefties, mm -hmm. look, occasionally you got to tip your hat. Look, Maton, that's a good at bat. That's a that good was a pitch. Good. I mean, he's been hitting the ball hard. He's not Car had a Carpenter lot of success Carpenter was the guy. Carpenter was the guy that, that Kiermaier robbed. robbed in the first game. Carpenter's that had, was a good pitch. That was a good pitch. I mean, it was a up, good at bat. It's, it's up and away. It's a good fastball. It's on the corner occasionally. I know Two it's hard. One. I mean, it's a good count. For, I it's know, a good count for the hitter, too. You still got to get it out front, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a good pitch. It's a good location. Sometimes you got to tip your hat. He only had uh, two three-ball counts. Yeah, He didn't have a walk. Like, it's... Well, I, again, I I don't want to say this just because uh, Alec Manoa has had a couple of bad starts. We can put to rest the way this is looking, that when they need a big start, it's the guy that threw last night. Can we can we agree on that? Yeah, but we I think we agreed on that going into the season too. Yeah, um, there were a lot you. there are a lot of there are a lot of reasons that went into the decision. And I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm going to revisit the opening day home opener. That that's gone. The decision, the, deci the decision was made. Um, Cy Young finalist, like it made sense for the Manoa thing, but yeah, it's not like it's not like they picked the guy that I'm, nobody thought would ever be sure. the opening. And for I'm him. sure Gosman didn't really care. I mean, he's been paid. It's yeah, he seems to be. Is, is it that big of a deal for him? Out? No, I've never really asked him. There, but. there doesn't seem to be. He scores high in the dude in the scale. If I was scouting him, Sick right tool. You know, it's the five tool, and then that sixth one is the yeah the dudeness. dudeness. Yeah, he gets the dudeness. I don't think there's a great deal uh, professionally that really rankles Kevin Gossman. You know, I I I loved. He's a really good pitcher. He's a good pitcher. We talked about some of the bad luck he had last year. I love the way he handled it. Like he didn't throw people under the bus. He was very matter of fact. You know, the whole thing about we talked. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about the shift and how it hurt him and blah blah blah. And eventually, he went and talked to the team and they. 
cut down on the number shift, but I mean, he just handled it the right way. He just kind of made the, I mean, this is what it is. I'm not whining about it. And the best thing is he didn't say I'm not whining about it because when you say you're not whining about it, you're whining about it. You just say it as fact and move on when you're doing an interview. And that's what, what Kevin Gossman did. And uh, It's impressive what he does. He's made adjustments. He's an older guy. You know, the league had adjusted to, if I see it down, I'm going to let it go. I see it up, I'm going to swing at it. And he started throwing more fastballs in that count, in that location. Did, now he's added that little slider. 13 is a lot for do me. You also, do you also get the sense, because there was some criticism at the end of the year. I wouldn't say criticism. It was noted by people, as often happens when you have 101 catchers on your broadcast. I'm not saying that, but it does. you got 101 catchers on your broadcast. And there was a lot of of talk about sort of how Danny Jansen was working with Kevin Gossman and and was his setup giving away pitches and all that. It was. Danny will tell you that. Does Danny look? Does it look different to you? It's this year? later. It's later. His setup is right. later. Like he'll, you can tell. He gives his sign. He'll look at the hitter. He'll look at his feet. He'll wait sort of to the last second, and then he gets wide. Yeah. Like it's, it's almost not allowing the dude on the on deck circle to either whistle, say the guy's last name, find a garbage can. Well, I know. I know the team they're facing. It makes that's an easy one to throw that at, but. Right. Yeah, I yeah I I think that's again that gets back to Kevin saying something that okay I know they know what my best pitch is they know what I'm trying to do when it's crunch time and I need to punch out you need to be a little bit better with your setup not giving it away as as quickly I need to be better at occasionally early in the game you know stealing a strike with my split finger split finger last night earlier in counts looked like a changeup it had sync to it and it was in the zone. On purpose. That's Jeff. That's almost like another pitch. Like, he didn't do that last year. He didn't do it early in the season. Now all of a sudden he's got one. It looks like a changeup. I'm. I don't think he throws a changeup. I. I mean, occasionally he might grip it and it goes and looks like a changeup. But the split finger now because he's raised the eye level and his target to where he wants to start it. It's on our show. He told us this, right? I'm aiming a little higher so I keep it in the strike zone. So when it Gets to so two you're strikes. saying it's almost like it's creating another pitch there for him. There you go. Now he's got the slider that goes one direction. He can have change up, split finger, whatever you want to call it. Has a little sank to it. Sank. 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 It'll go away to a lefty, into a righty. Like he's got weapons that he can get you out with. He throws hard. I mean, he's made adjustments with the balk thing. Like the, It's only like two toe taps now. He's not... Does it look like he's thinking about it? No, but I got to say this. Ah. I got to say this. He hasn't had an awful lot of base runners. He has you not. Know, and he hasn't had a lot of dudes on base yet to, to notice that. But no, we we talked. I mean, he talked about it in spring training. He's basically, I think, a lot of the, the rules interpretations, it's almost like they're aimed at me. And I think they were because the commissioner and, and who was running that actually mentioned his name. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it was. That's never good to it me. It never is, you just, but you just had you, – they have just – they they've they've run the bus over you and, or, and they are the commissioner's office. That's that's never good. I could, that's I could never appre- good thing. I can appreciate that I'm the guy that got the ball rolling. Uh I mentioned George Springer got the game winning RBI, Matt Chapman two for three. Yawn. You didn't like the base running, huh? Last night. No, I didn't know. We're gonna talk about that, but I wanna I wanna talk about Vladdy Jr., two for three, two runs scored. Also the base running thing with him. We're on the same page. I, I know a lot of people jumped in that. I quite frankly didn't have that big an issue with with Rodriguez was nasty. With that play, exactly. You have to sometimes, because there's two strikes, he's running on the swing of the bat. But I really... He had a good jump. You make a bad team, make a play, they've made it. 
we'll talk about that in a minute. I do want to talk about Vladdy's defense again. It was Vladdy's bobblehead last night, the gold glove bobblehead. Did you get me one of those, by the way? You know, you were there. I got to get, I had to get Boffo one. That disappeared. I couldn't get him one. Like, I'm the only person on the planet who doesn't collect. I don't collect anything. Mm. I, I just don't. I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't collect anything. And, and so everybody thinks that because of that, I'm the dude to go get a bobblehead. Yeah, I, I ask you for one thing. No, I, Boffo gets the bobblehead, but, but uh, there was a logistical issue with it that I don't want to get into at this point in time. But he didn't, he said. It was, a, it was a logistical issue, you know, and yeah, and, and I, I remember there was four of them. I do believe I picked one up, and you said you cannot have that because it's Bafos. I no, that's what you I said. I did not say Raise that. Raise your right no, hand. I said, <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. I said that. That's what I, you said. Again, there is a logistical issue here that I do not want to get into because it involves other people here. I, I don't want to get into it. Um, because Boy. it could, I could see where it could create a Man great, it, it could like create it a great deal of tension and, and, uh, that's a bobblehead and dude, big redneck. You were there. You could have taken two. And Caleb was there. He could have taken one. I'm a nice guy. And I want to talk about Vladdy's defense, uh, on the night that he got, I know you're a nice guy that rednecks aren't bad people. Not all of them. Uh, I want to talk about Vladdy's defense. It What's was the, the gold glove bobblehead, uh, last <laughs> Last night. That does sound weird, doesn't it? And, uh, well, Vladdy, as per usual, was called upon to make a couple of stretch catches. This was Kevin Gossman. And I want to talk about this because, anyhow, let's, let's play Kevin Gossman talking about Vladdy's defense. Because I don't think we talk about it enough. And you're probably going to tell me that I'm wrong. But, anyhow, let's play yeah. Gossman talking about his, his first baseman. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's incredible. I mean, to be... Um... You know, one as big as he is and be able to move the way that he can over there and, and really stretch. And I mean, some of the positions that he gets in when he, when he's stretching and making a play, I mean, it's like, you know, I hope he's all right. But, um, <laughs> you know, he's, uh, he does that every night. And uh, obviously, you know, he works on stretching and those types of things. And, um, you know, he's, uh, he's obviously a great hitter, but I think people don't talk about how much he, he has an effect on the game at first. Well, we're going to do that. Because I, as, I think we do a lot. Uh, well, I think we do. I yeah, I think we do because we 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 will admit we'll put our hands up. We'll admit that you know we were when Vladdy came up. The question was, hey, he's not going to play third. He's going to play first. What if he's a guy who has to DH? What if he's the next Harold Baines? All he can do is DH. Blah blah blah. Instead, he's won a Gold Glove at first base. And yes, you get into Gold Glove voting and balloting and all that. Here's something I, I see from Vladdy this year. I want to know if you're seeing it and. As a former first baseman, I'm going to bow to you to you in this. I'm not on air. I mean, I'm not going to. You just did it. I just did it. But that looks silly, and I shouldn't have done it. But anyhow, um, he still stretches for balls. Yeah. I get the sense last year, it, last year he really liked doing it, and it was kind of a thing. And I thought yeah. last year there were a couple of times where he stretched, and I'm – I'd. Yeah, I kind of go, yeah, I don't know if you need to do it. I get the sense this year that when he does it, it's because he has to. Maybe I'm... What, I, do, you, what do you mean has to? Ago. I don't think he feels like he has to dress up a play anymore. Last year at times, I thought maybe he thought that he had okay, to be a little look, creative. Can we, can we, there's, there's two sides to this. Can, I'm going to start with the good stuff. All right. The, the good stuff or the great stuff is he has a cannon and he knows it. 
and he loves to show it off. Like he, any chance he gets to let it eat, he's going to let it eat. It's like the double play. For a right, the double play that he turned, I, I think the ball was hit at him. He goes back, tags the bag, and then he throws it to second. It's a very hard play for a righty because you have to clear the runner. That's the very first thing. Every runner is taught to run on the inside close to the grass because you want to take that lane away. So it makes it harder for that first baseman to throw the ball to second base. He's very good at that. That's why you see him drop angle arm to have a little hook in it. So he he can base, he's basically aiming it right at the runner, but it's just going to curve right around. What's he actually throwing? Just because of where he releases it from. It has nothing to do yeah. with the way he's gripping it or anything like that. He's sort of submarining it, and it's got that little hook okay. to it to where, because most of the time he stays on top of it because he's letting it eat, right? Mm-hmm. If he throws, I think he threw a ball to third base yesterday. He's letting that to Kevin. Yeah. Kevin playing. Yeah. Was it Kevin? Uh, no. Uh, yes. Maybe it was the day before yesterday. No, uh, Santee was at, at, at third yeah, base. Yeah, whenever, whenever whenever he threw yes. the ball to third base, how how hard he throws the ball, his, he's very confident in that. So he'll set his feet. You know, even the ball, which is still a work in progress, where he takes his little pre-pitch setup, he has his little jump hop, uh, the ball to his right. Between him and the second baseman, there's a little of that, do I go get it? Like, it, he's still a little in between, and occasionally you'll see him sort of throw his hands in the air like, darn it, I should have went and tried to get that ball because he has a good enough arm. It's accurate. He can lead, you know, the the pitcher to the bag. He doesn't have an issue doing that. So he still has some little unknowns there. Footwork around the bag is not real good. I mean, I, I, I'm trying okay. to – I want to be nice no, with well, this. that's why I'm he's asking. Very, he's very – I've said this so to you. you. Think- He's such a good athlete for a big man that he can get away with it. But the reason why sometimes his stretches look weird is because he's just off balance. And a lot of the times if his footwork were better and he was not very stationary and straight up and down, it would look like... So he, like last night, the ball, the ball that Bo threw mm-hmm. on the run and sort of up the line, and he, you know, Vladdy, it sort of made it look like he was stabbing at it. If his footwork was better, that would have been so smooth. He would have been like, I get this, I'll do this a thousand and times. And then we wouldn't be looking at each other in the press box going, oh my God, Bo almost But one. whenever you run as a right handed, as a right-handed catcher, yeah. which means you throw with your right hand, your glove is on your left Left-handed hand, catcher, and, you right-handed run, throw. and you run over and put your right foot in the middle of the bag, and it's stationary, it's going to look like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's just going to look like sometimes you're catching the ball with your left foot in the air. I'm not saying he can't do it because he's very athletic, and he's come a long way. But for me, the very last step is and how much better he could be mm-hmm. to where – Sooner or later, he ain't going to be able to stretch like that. He's just going to get older, and yeah. the lower half's just not going to be able to do that. And he's going to have to make some adjustments. And it will be easier, and instead of me being on the radio and trying to explain this to you, if sometime, if I ever do have an opportunity to go, or Joe or Caleb can sort of have a first base bag, being front of the first base Lyle Overbay was the best at this I was, okay. ever. I was about to so – I was going to jump in and YouTube, talk about Overbay. If you want, ever want to go to YouTube and see a ground ball or a dive or a play that he picked to see the entire play, go look just at how he sets up in front of the bag. He'll go – say the ball's hit to short. I'll try and explain this to where people can understand because it's very hard, even if I'm saying it out loud, to understand it. But basically what you're doing is, is – where you're standing in your position, where the ball's hit. So say a ball's hit the shortstop, and I'm standing 
in the hole, he's a right-handed hitter. I want to take away the ball, the hole first to, to second base, right? I want to, I'm trying to take that little hole away. I'm going to run with my back away from the play. I'm going to run. I'm going to tap the bag to know where it's at. I'm going to put both feet in front of the bag towards where the throw is coming from. And I'm going to use my feet, my footwork around that bag to adjust to the throw. That way I don't get stationary. That way I'm expecting a bad throw. I'm in an athletic position and I'm not stationary. I'm not married to the bag now. Now I can adjust. And if the ball is up towards the umpire, I can shuffle over. I can, my foot now is on the corner of the bag instead of in the middle of the bag. And now I'm catching that throw in the middle of my body instead of way out here, right to where it looks like you have to do the stretches. And it's, I'm not saying he's not great at all those things. He's catching the balls he's supposed to catch. I'm just saying it would be a t- tremendously amount easier mm-hmm. if he was just a little bit better in front of the bag. Now, he is right-handed. He is new at this, and he has won a gold glove. So it would be very hard for anybody to walk up to him and say, hey, I know I know what you've done in the past, but I, I really do think if you did it this way, it would be so much easier for you. You wouldn't have to do the stretches all the time. He wouldn't. Like he would do, he would do a little bit of the stretch, but it would be nothing like he's doing now. Just by putting both feet in front of the bag and letting the throw dictate where he's putting his foot on the bag. That's how I wanted to explain it. Yeah. No, it's and perfect if he could because do that in an athletic position, because he does, Jeff, run over, put the right foot in the middle of the bag, and he's standing straight up and down. And that's why a lot of the times he looks like he's sort of in between with getting the foot, the left foot on the ground and stretching. It just looks like he's a little off, right? Not yeah. saying he's not a great defender no. over there, but I'm saying t- taking him to a whole different level would be, for me, just that little bit of move of in front of the bag. And and, and the thing is, you know, the other infielders, you don't always want to make it seem as if the play was close and it really wasn't close if there you, you throw the ball. There you go. When, when Josh Donaldson came over here, John Gibbons, one of the things John Gibbons said is, pounded the table for Justin Smoke to make the team. And one of the reasons he said is smokes the wingspan. He's the best He's defensive first baseman too. we have. But you know what else? I, I remember Gibby saying this. You know what else? Great at it. He said, he said, Justin Smoke is going to make the routine play look even easier than it is. And you know what? That's going to make, if I've got a third baseman who's got an issue throwing the ball, when he makes a good throw, I want it to look like it's there, no drama. I want no drama there. I want him to know that when he makes a good throw, it's caught. It's up. When he makes a bad throw, I want the dude to kind of make it. Hey, it's no big deal. Well, I caught whatever, the ball whatever, right whatever. I'm going to try to relate this to, to, to hockey. Whenever a goalie is trying to save a puck from going into his goal, he's in an athletic position. He, his knees are bent. He's not straight up and down because it's easier to go from the ground up than it is the other way. Yeah. Just for me, sometimes he gets a little too stationary because of where he starts on the bag. Just that little adjustment. But again, it's very hard to walk. It, it's like Jordan Romano. It's like him. Because he's had 40 saves and he's won awards, it's very hard to walk up to him and go, hey, why are you throwing a slider so much? So that's why. Uh, John Schneider is manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. It is manager's day. On, nice. uh, Blair and Barker, A.J. Hinch joins us as well. We'll talk to uh, A.J. Hinch about the... Uh, well, we'll talk about Miguel Cabrera, but I also want to talk to him about some of his thoughts on the renovations at the Rogers Center, uh, specifically the uh, some of the issues we've seen through two games 
in the bullpen area, which uh, I, I would say it's a little disappointing, but I, I, I kind of expected it. You're not surprised. No, I'm not surprised at all. I've, hey, I've, anyhow. Um, but we'll talk to A.J. Hinch about that. And uh, John Schneider, the manager of the Blue Jays, joins us next. Dan Schulman as well. Big show. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh man, this, this bobblehead's turning into a bit of an issue here. Right, do your job and... Boffo asked for one thing all year. No, he asked for two one things. Thing. I got him one thing. He needed his pass because he didn't want to go down to the park. I had to get his pass. You can't go down to the park. And while you're getting me a pass, can you get me a bobblehead? Anyhow. Oh, yeah, my nephew. You were going to put it on eBay and sell it. I know you. Um... The Jays, 4-3 winners over the Detroit Tigers last night in 10 innings. Uh, that series wraps up today and uh, tonight, I should say, and then the Tampa Bay Rays come into town. Um, I don't even know. I'm, I don't even know what to say. 13 or no. Yeah, it, all you need to say. Yeah. Uh, be a big series. Uh, last night is the second. Uh, second. Well, the Jays have had. The Jays have won seven of eight. They have a number of comebacks. In those, uh, in that run of games, mm-hmm. uh, and we talked about last night because of the way the Jays tied it and the way the Jays won it, and how it was kind of it was the middle, of the bottom of the order that really kind of put this thing together. George Springer finished it off. Uh, John Schneider is manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. He joins us now on on Blair and Barker. John, thanks, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, hey, I, I watching that game last night, and of course everybody. You know, Kevin Kiermeyer makes a nice point. It was just, it was a night, it was a nice win. It was a nice win on a on a on a night that team win, a nice team win on yeah. a night that looked it was like it was going to be difficult. Are you still, are you still finding out things about your lineup and what it can do to win games? Like I know you know these guys and you kind of know what Kevin Kiermeyer is about, and we're learning what Dalton Varsha is about. But are you still at the point where you come away and you go, yeah, I can do that again? You know, I might not have been able to last year, but this year, okay, we can we can probably do that again. Yeah, I think that um, a little bit more, you know, there's just different ways we can kind of try to do it. You know, there's different ways to get a, you know, get a guy over. There's different ways to score. Um, I think, yeah, it's just a different skill set that's just being brought by different guys. Um, and then I think the guys that have been here are kind of understanding more and more as they get older. Um, there's more than one way to do it too than just a home run. And I and I was going to say for for the guys that are here, like does it take does it take them a while to okay? They understand now that Kiermaier can do this. They understand that with Varsho you can do this, and 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 you just get that better sense of what what as a player what your teammates can do as a whole. Yeah, for sure. I think they're really. I mean, they were pretty close knit group in spring. Um, they kind of figured out pretty early who can do what and what their skill set was like and now I think you know just having to come out in these games is huge to where um not that you, you yeah, I guess you do you kind of come to expect it a little bit you know so it's uh it's cool I have to stay ahead of it so I'm I'm trying to put these guys in the right spot and do the right thing but they can um 
man, these new guys, they can do a, they can do a lot of different things. Snides, how do you sell this to your team all year? I, I was at the field, and I said this at the post game last night, that I saw a base running at third base during batting practice. I saw bunt practice before everybody was out there, which you never see. I played for the Jays in 2006. I made this little joke. And that, that was laughable. Like, it was just – you never see that from a big league team. And I just think you're buying – like, for whatever you're selling – it must be working. And the question is, do you think you have the group here that sooner or later you just stop selling it? They just bought in and they're going to do it every single day. Is that where you're at? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we talked about everything so much in spring training about, you know, just, you know, little things and how we're going to stay on them. And it's going to it's going to take time really to, to have it really just, you know, be really, really evident every single night, I think, um, to be firing on all cylinders. But, you know, you gotta. If you're gonna be talking about it, you gotta put it into play too, right? So we gotta find times to not over oversell it or overdo it. But we've made them very aware that hey, once the series, we're gonna be doing this. We're gonna be you know working on on a certain thing on the bases, and um, guys that need a bunt, you're gonna be doing you're gonna be doing it. You know, this many days. And I think when you just put it in front of them, you know, it, it's a lot less pushback. You know, so you have that, and then you have the conversations that go on top of it, and the reasons why that go on top of it. Um, I feel like the buy-in comes that way too. So is uh, is Kevin Gossman even better this year than he was last year? Yeah, Kevin Gossman is is um, really really legit to be a top pitcher in the game. He's um, he's throwing the ball so well. I think that you know adding the slider into his mix has been great. You know, even though he gave up a couple hits on it yesterday, um, I just think that he is in such control of what he's doing. Um, controlling the running game better, uh, being quicker to the plate, all this kind of stuff. He's a, he's an elite pitcher. When he is, is fully comfortable with his slider, maybe he's fully comfortable right now. What, how would you like to see him use it? Like, what, would be, what would be a good, without giving away state secrets, what would be a good percentage, do you think, for the average Kevin Gossman start for him to use a slider? I mean, I would say maybe 20%, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I think it's getting, getting ahead and stealing a strike, uh, especially versus right-handed hitters, you know, who are just looking for heater split. And I think that, you know, it, it's it's a cool pitch because it goes against the grain of what his other two do, right? So he's at the top of the zone with the heater, bottom of the zone with the split. Slider kind of carries the middle horizontally. So it just gives the hitter three really different looks that are just really tough um, to navigate throughout the bat. So... 20%, I think, yeah, and he has a really good ability to read hitters, too, um, mm-hmm. what, their, what their swings are looking like. So if he's, you know, he can use it to finish off a hitter. It's uh, it's it's pretty unique. So, um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the uh, the thought process going on with Kev. Anything you saw from Jose Barrios' last start that will encourage you thinking that he may turn the corner here and be a better Barrios? Next start. Yeah. Yes, actually, Kev. So watching that back. I mean, great question. I get it. I totally get it. Watching that back, Hosey's stuff was great. His misses were not great, yeah. right? So if it's just if it's got to be on a catcher to scoot out a little bit further on a backdoor two-seamer to a righty, I thought Turkey did a good job of that. It comes down to execution. We've talked about this with Hosey. We've talked about <clears throat> we've talked about it with him face-to-face. It's just you cannot lose focus on executing every single pitch. So um, I think the stuff was there, and I think that, the execution needs to be finer. You know, I know that sounds really easy. I know I've said that before. That's really, you know, where we've come to with him is just if he's executing his fastball, 
you know, everything else is going to play so much better off of that. His breaking ball, you know, is elite at times the way he can spin it. And his changeup is good, and those usually don't do much, you know, damage again. So it's got to be safer spots with the heater to work in the other two as well. You are a, a former catcher. Is that a hard thing to do? Veteran guy on the mound, you know he's struggling, right? He's, he's fighting it between the ears. It's got to be hard, right? It's just every, I've tried everything. I've mechanically changed everything. I don't have a windup anymore. I'm a veteran guy. You know, I'm trying everything I could possibly try. Is it hard for a catcher, an organization, to get buy-in from I know he's not been good. He's trying everything. But, John, you know as well as anybody, there's got to be a little that enough's enough, right? I've tried everything now. It's just me going out here, and I'm going to let it eat and see what happens. Is it hard to get buy-in from him? No. I mean, he is just – you know, in terms of person, teammate, he is he is so far up the ladder. He is such a good person um, and accountable to what he's doing. You know, just he – his sole focus is trying to help the team win, I think, and that's where he just wants to stay. And at the same time, <clears throat> I'm sure there's been pitches where – Frustration does jump in, and you go, okay, I'm going to let it eat, and that's when mistakes happen. So I think it's kind of harnessing that thought process a little bit because you do want to have that thought process, but then with the execution of the pitch. So it's uh, it's a fine line with Hosey, you know, and he's, he wants to do so well. Um, you know, so that thought process is, you know, sometimes can be like, hey, go ahead, do your thing. Don't worry about don't worry about anything but that. You know, you could you could do that. But you also got to focus on the execution. It's weird. He's, he wants to do so well for his teammates. So it's, uh, you know, I think us as a staff and everyone else is on, in the clubhouse, they want him to do so well, too. Any worry from Manoa that his velocity's down? No, because it picked up at times, you know. And we saw this last year where he was kind of dipping down and then, you know, he would climb throughout games, too. So, I think it just comes, I mean, we've seen, I guess a better way to put it is we've seen him pitch in the low 90s and we've seen him pitch in the mid 90s. I think that first three starts in the season, um, you know, it, it's still, there's probably going to be a gradual buildup with him mm-hmm. um, based on off season and things like that. So it's uh, not worried about it. I think execution wise, you know, when you are pitching at that, you know, below range, you got to be a little bit finer and maybe expect a few more, a few less chases on your breaking ball. But again, we're talking about a dude that is probably one of the best competitors in the whole game, and uh, we're not worried about him uh, whatsoever. Pitch timer have anything to do with that conditioning? You know, he was a guy that would rub the ball up, walk around the mound a little bit, collect himself. Now it's in a hurry, right? You get it, you get it and go, get it and go. Is, does that have anything to do with the velocity? Any worry with that? I don't think so, no. I think that just, you know, trying to find him and a lot of other guys around the league are trying to find ways to kind of slow slow down in between pitches because of the way they had worked previously. So I don't think it's that. I think that's so more so uh, just kind of a, a cadence thing right now with trying to figure out ways to slow it down. Yeah, John, I know that you've seen a lot of Laddie Jr. since he got into this organization. Kevin and I were talking about this a little earlier about looking back to when he first came up. The question was, what position was he going to play? Would he be able to play a position every day? Uh, did you see? Did you see any? Did you see anything when you were managing him in the minors that suggested he could become a Gold Glove first baseman? <laughs> I mean, never put him there. In yeah, the minors, exactly. But, but I think based on his work ethic alone, you go, okay, this dude's got a chance. And okay. I think as you kind of combine that with 
you know, work ethic, the actual skill set that he does have, and then I think you work around like his his frame, right? He's a big dude, and um, once we did get him over it first, it was okay. Wow, this could this could really really work. I think the worry was. You lose that arm strength because there's not many plays that are going to involve his arm. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, I mean, what we've gained, man, with him around the back, with balls in the dirt, with being able to turn double plays like he did yesterday with Mays on the mound. Um, he's just been a lot of what you see is the work that goes in. He works his ass off with Louis Rivera. Um, he's uh, he's just been phenomenal. So I think we started thinking about that when we moved him to first that that was kind of the right spot for him, that we could end up with something like this. Steins, I signed with the Nationals a long time ago. You know, I'm an old guy. I played a long time ago. But I, I signed with the Nationals. I went to spring training. They bought, they brought, including me, three veteran first basemen. I was thinking to myself, well, how's this going to work? You know, there, there's not two DHs. You can't, you know, I'm not going to go to the International League and be able to play a long time. Now, the Blue Jays, obviously, as you know, have three second basemen. And, you know, you're starting to see some – at best, it just doesn't look right. Kevin Biggio, right, may look a little late at the plate with his swing. Uh, Santiago Espinal is a little in between. You sort of expect that. Is that a worry, right? Is there, you know, is that conversation between the three guys? It's it's hard, right? It's It can be only hard for you two to try and fight at bats for these guys, keep these guys sharp. Is there anything one of these three guys can do to be the everyday second baseman? Great question, Kev. Uh, it is. It, it, it could be tough at times, but at the same time, I think you, having multiple guys in spots, that allows you to keep them in, in good spots, right, in good matchups that we like, and it keeps guys fresh, you know, health-wise down the stretch, all that kind of stuff. That being said, yeah, it can be tough for them, I think, who, you know, all three of those cats have, have played every day, you know what I mean, and, and I'm, I'm assuming would love to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I think right now, I just you know, conversations that we've had with those guys, um, myself, you know, Donnie is that, hey, we're going to stay disciplined to what we think is right. We're going to give, you know, each matchup a lot of thought. We're going to see who's who we think just gives us the best chance to win every night. You know, it's not like, hey, whose who's feelings are hurt the most? Who needs to get in there? It's who's going to help us win, right? And they're all, they're all good with that. They've all bought into that to where, you know, it's kind of putting yourself aside a little bit and saying, what's, what's good for the team here? Now, is it tough? Yeah, for sure it is. And there is a fine line of, keeping guys in that are hot and there is a fine line of getting guys out against really tough matchups to then continue them, you know, to continue to have them be hot. Right. So it's, it's hard. It's a balancing act a little bit. And with baseball, it does seem like, um, you know, over, over time, it does kind of play itself out to where who's going to be out there most consistently. So um, to be determined yet on that part, I think, Uh, but a lot of these guys, they can help you win in a lot of different ways. So it's not, Again, it's not like, hey, this guy's going to get uh, two hits tonight, so he's going to play. There are a lot of different variables that go into it um, each night. John, I really get the sense through these first 12 games, however many games it's been, that you've got a, you have got found a really nice combination with Jimmy Garcia and Eric Swanson. Like It just yeah. seems that there's... There's a lot of trust in them, obviously, but it it, it just seems as, as if there's a nice a nice mesh there. And and in a lot of ways, are are you a little more comfortable now with that part of the, your bullpen than you were maybe even last year? Yeah, you know, the addition of Swanee has been huge. Um, it allows us to use, you know, him or Garcia, Mesa. It allows us to use them earlier, knowing that we still have guys like Zach Pop, Adam Simber. 
Anthony Bass before you get to Jordy, you know. So um, Swanee, you know, we were we were thrilled to get him just because he's kind of, you know, when you're looking at hitters and you're looking at pockets for pitchers to hit, um, you know, Garcia fits it, but he's looking at all the righties. And Swanee with wherever you are, righties or lefties, or with some possible pinch hits coming, uh, you know, lefty for a righty, that splitter is kind of an equalizer. So, He's um, he just kind of protects you against a lot of different things and can strike you know anybody out. So having those two cats to kind of either shut down a late inning or to um, come in with some traffic and shut down an inning with with runners on, that's just been a huge plus to us. And the fact that they're ready to go at any at any given time, um, it just makes our life a lot easier. But they've they've been outstanding. Schneitz, thanks so much for doing this, man. Thanks, Great buddy. stuff as always. Uh, go get him tonight. Good luck. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. John Schneider, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. I love that description of of Eric Swanson. He protects you. Uh, he protects you against a lot of different things. No brainers. Uh, again, I, I continue to say this. Uh, Great teams have no-brainers. There's only so many times that a manager can sit over there, try and match up, and be perfect against really good teams. One thing to do it against Detroit, Kansas City. It's another thing to do it, quite frankly, against Kansas City. Or, I mean, sorry, Seattle, Tampa. Uh, Astros, Tampa. You need no-brainers. You need them to work backwards to front, right? Ninth inning to the sixth inning. That's how that's how it sort of is. And that's what I said. For them to be a championship bullpen, they need a no-brainer eighth inning guy. You have that. Now you have two hybrid guys. Mm-hmm. You have a closer, and then you have that eighth inning guy who is a no-brainer no matter where they're at in the lineup. Because normally the eighth inning guy is the dude that's facing one, two, three in the order. Yes. Or two, three, four, yeah. or three, four, five, right? He's getting the meat. He's getting the big boys. That's high leverage. So you need a no-brainer. They get that, now all of a sudden you're cooking with gravy. Did he answer the second base thing? A lot of questions on that. Did you like his answer? Yeah, because I... My preference... to. My preference would be to have Santiago Espinal play every day. I don't think uh, he's going to. No, that, that that's just my preference. Uh, Kevin Biggio, Kevin, we just have to get used to the fact that Kevin Biggio is considered to be part of this, the core group. Mm-hmm. Right? He, he, he's come up with all, he came up with all those guys. The, the Jays like and about the clubhouse thing, the Jays just like they like Cavan. Mm-hmm. The organization likes Cavan. Every organization's got a guy where the fans or the media scratch their head and go, "Ah, the hell's that guy getting in a bat?" You just deal with it. I've adopted your approach, and I think kind of what John was saying. Can they get enough at bats for two of those three guys? I think so. I'm skeptical about getting enough at bats for three of them. But I'm also well aware that I've got a center fielder coming off an injury. I've got a right fielder yeah. with a history of injuries. But and here's, here's the other thing. Selling that to one of the yeah. three is going to be a tough sell. Yeah, but you know what? It will, it, it will be. But yeah, you know yeah, what? Yeah. As long as the team is winning, it, it's a little easier to sell it. But here's the thing. I think you were right, and I think this is what John's getting at. It will settle itself. It will settle itself. It will work itself out. Or you'll trade one of them. That's part of working itself out. It will work itself out. Right now, you know, right now there's teams aren't making a lot of trades right now. Uh, we're having this discussion. Who would you pick? If I said pick three, pick one of the three, who would you pick? Santi. But other, 
Yeah, but get the most for him. No, but no, I'm saying if you were to say to keep, which one of the three Santi? would you keep on your team? But other people, I mean, you're not getting that. I can tell you, talk to people in the organization. Wait. That's not the answer you get. Exactly. No. So let's just let it, let's just let it play out. Let's let it play out. It's not an issue right now in that. You got to communicate, which I think they're very good yeah. at. Donnie Baseball's very good at that. If you're hearing it from him, say those kind of things. But Kevin, to one of the three guys, it's a. Here, here's the thing. If you're one of the three players, it's a better sale, I believe. You got to sell it to you're him. Not, you're not blocking a prospect by keeping those three guys right now. They're trying to get paid. Yeah, but. It's a thing. Okay, but, but I'm saying from the Jays' point of view, from the Jays' point of view, you're not blocking a prospect. Uh, there's nothing out there in the trade market right now that, I mean, you're not going to go out and add, at this point, you're not going to go out and add another starting pitcher, and it's debatable which of those three guys will get you the best starting pitcher. See, I don't think Kevin Bidget gets you much of anything, to be honest. So the negative is that everybody wants to get paid. Two of those guys are, are, are youngish. One of them was an all-star. That's a negative, but you know what? The Jays can't which, care about which, what, Jays which, can't care about real that. Real quick before we go, which one of the threes at bats look better? For me, wit. Yeah, you know why? He's had more at bats than the other two. That's the point. Okay. All right. AJ Hinch is manager of the Detroit Tigers. We will uh, chat with AJ about uh, his team, about Miguel Cabrera, and also get his read in the early days of the new Rogers Center renovations. Look, I before the series, I I was the guy that was coming on the air and saying I kind of worried about having fans so close to the visiting bullpen because I know the fans in the city and I know what their reputation is. A.J. Hinch joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 Fan 360 and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkers Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Another trivia question for you. We're going to give away tickets to see the Jays and White Sox. That's a good one. Rick Boffo's been nailing this trivia thing. I really, I'm, now I feel really bad about my uh, bobbling, the bobblehead, bobbling the bobblehead assignment. He's mad at you. Well, as I said, there's... You will not get a Christmas card. There was some There was some political stuff going on. It's just, it's not that easy. Political stuff. There was some political really? stuff going on. Over a bobblehead. The bobblehead. That's... You're a Hall of Fame writer. I'm not a Hall I'm of Fame writer. The, I'm taking the bobblehead. Like I told you, being a Hall of Fame baseball writer in Canada is like being the best downhill skier in Manitoba. It's, just is. I'm not saying it just is. There's like fight. There's 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 ten of us. Anyhow, huh. um, Chris Bassett's on the mound tonight against Spencer Turnbull. Um. All right, we've seen Chris Bassett through a couple of starts. Do you think Chris Bassett uses pitchcom tonight? Absolutely. For a little while, anyway. He'll be in and out, I think. Why wouldn't he? Eight pitches, nine pitches. I don't know where That's the ninth one. one came from, but yeah, I would think you'd have to, which is fine. As long as the slurves, because he's got a couple of them, the breaking balls are good, located, tunneling, sharp, all the other things will fall in place. He'll get in the groove, and he'll be all right. 
He'll give him a chance. Yeah. No, it was a... That's uh, his job. Yeah, I think that last start for, for, for Chris Bassett kind of... Some of, some of the pitches we've yeah, talked about. Was, this. That's where, that's where you well, saw Danny some Jansen of Jansen was sick, and then it was Kirky, and then you would thought, you know, after that, you had a pitch timer violation, the very first pitch, and after yeah. that, it was good. Uh, it, it will be the final game of the three-game series against the Detroit Tigers. A.J. Hinch is manager of the Detroit Tigers, and we're very pleased that he joins us on Blair and Barker. A.J., thanks so much for taking time out to uh, to to talk to us today. Um where is this Tigers? Where is this Tigers team right now in terms of, in terms of where you envisioned it to be? Yeah, I'd say even even last year, like where where right. is where is it now compared to where you thought it would be? Well, for, first of all, thanks for having me. And we would be better if we would have closed out last night's game. Yeah, <laughs> I, absolutely. I, I wish we could have. Uh, could have finished that one off. Obviously, you know, a couple outs away and and couldn't get it done, but. You know, obviously, we've had a lot of change in the last 12 months, um, whether it be on the field, in the front office, a few staff members. There's a lot of newness, a little bit of youth, and a, and a, and a little bit of veteran status on this team. And so we're trying to find our way uh, to play better baseball. It's, it's hard. I, You know, I get asked a lot of questions about, you know, the state of the team and the state of the organization and where we're at. And I always reiterate to everyone um, we have just as good a chance to win today's game as we do as anybody does. And uh, when we play our best, we we you know we can do that. We've got to focus on small goals to get this team headed in the right direction, and it'll start you know by playing better baseball, a little cleaner, and and finishing out games when we have the lead. Yeah, I, w- I was wondering watching watching last night, and and your relievers coming in. You've got guys with with velo. I mean, you did last good year stuff. as well. Really good stuff. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself. When you saw what the Baltimore Orioles did last year in the American League East, like is that something that's in the back of your mind? When you talk about we've got a chance to win tonight as as you know as as much as anybody else to win this particular game, does what Baltimore did last year, especially with that bullpen, kind of step to the fore a bit? Sure. Well, I, I think what what happens with teams that uh, that confuse people that talk about baseball or that are around the game is is how do you blend sort of the youthful development for the, for the young players and combine that with whatever, whatever veteran status you have on the team and veteran players. And we have a future hall of famer in Miguel or, um, you know, a, a player who's been, you know, the world champion and an all-star in Javi Baez, or you try to combine those and do multiple things at the same time. And when it, when it clicks, good things can happen. You can catch momentum. You have some youthful exuberance. You've got to start with belief. And you've got to start by winning a few games and winning a series and having some goals that, that give you a good week and then a good month, and that can lead to a good stretch. So when Baltimore um, or other teams that, that, that emerge as, as more factors, um, you know, any given season, it, it, it starts with belief. It then goes with a little bit of a blend of youth development and veteran guys doing their part as well. And, um, you know, again, when you, when you, are, are a run or two away from winning a game. I mean, our record doesn't indicate our talent level. Our record indicates what the results are, and we've got to find a way to flip the, the narrative for the Tigers. When did that Astros team that you, you managed reach that point, you know, where you talked about, uh, uh, about just getting to that point where you, you know that you're ready to take the next step or that you have taken the next step? Was it a particular season? Was it a particular acquisition? 
uh, a particular player emergence? Um, well, it helped. I mean, you know, obviously the, the leadoff hitter of the Blue Jays, George Springer, was a big part of mm-hmm. it. And, uh, we had some young players come up to the big leagues. And then you have to experience it. You know, we went in 2015 was the combination of all the things I'm talking about. We made the wild card. And um, that began a run of really good teams. But it also, you know, started with a wild card. We ended up getting beaten the ALDS by the Royals, who ended up winning the World Series. And then the next year, we missed the playoffs, getting eliminated in late September. And then we went on the run of 17, 18, 19 um, and they've continued that 20 through 20, you know, 22. So I, I think it starts, um, you know, when, when you, when you're, when your better players play well and when your younger players emerge and, and things gel together and you start to win, you start to believe, you start to, to play more consistently and um, you get a little bit more experience. I, it, it doesn't mean you can't win without experience, but man, it does matter when it comes to close games, when it comes to playing against playoff teams and, and, and making a real statement over the course of a six-month season, um, all these experiences are going to matter. Hey, Jay, when I, was, I, I played a long time. I played on some bad teams. I remember managers coming in, flipping tables, yelling and screaming. And, you know, you, I'm sure you played on some bad teams. You heard that. You know, you sort of laugh at it, right? And, I'm, and I, and I want to ask, when as a manager do you know how to – Give a little, right? You know, that that is, you right. know, it's, a, it's the big leagues, right? It, even last night we saw one, one of your guys steal a base and he didn't slide. Like, they're sooner I, sooner or later, right? You, I, I, how do you know when and what to do? Do you call them in an office? Do you do it in front of everybody? How do you know when it's time to, I don't want to say throw things because it is the big leagues and a lot of those guys <laughs> make more money than you do and they're going to laugh right. at you. So how do you know? Right. Well, that's a good question, and I think it's an art to know your team and know the pulse of your team. And, um, you know, in instances like last night, we made a couple of base running errors um, that get magnified when you lose. The Blue Jays made a couple of base running errors that don't really get magnified because they were celebrating in the walk-off. So you, you try to address things individually with guys. I mean, I in exchange with both of the players last night that made base running errors or, you know, there was a – runner on second late in the game. And I know we don't teach move the guy over near as much as back when you and I played, but it, it, it part of playing the game is really important. You individualize it. Now, when it becomes an effort or preparation thing, I think you as a manager have every right to do whatever you want, whether the players resonate with them or whether they just need to hear it. It's like, not a lot different than parenting. Like when it's a, a core issue, you, you have to address it uh, wholeheartedly. When it's just guys making mistakes and guys messing up, um, it's a little bit more individual-based. It's been successful for me. It's my 10th year managing. I've had I've done all the reactions that, that, that you mentioned, and I've also tried to handle it on a case-by-case basis. I do know, as a player, I remember not wanting to be beat when I'm down. Like, we have lost a couple series in a row. They're making some mistakes trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an effort or preparation thing, which is a staple of what I expect on our team. I've got to stay disciplined with addressing the issues without uh, without pretending like the back of my baseball card doesn't have a few flaws too. AJ, is there a guy on your team, everyday player, that, that may be somebody that doesn't watch the Tigers all the time other than Cabrera, obviously? And I do right. want to ask you about goals with him, but the first question I want to ask you, is there somebody that we should pay attention to that you're excited that you want to tell everybody about? Yeah, Riley Green is, I mean, is, is going to be really good at this level. Um, you know, we're asking a lot out of him. He's sitting in the top three in the order. He's playing center field. He's uh, arguably our most potent at bat, even though it's not always discipline. 
Um, he's got the makings of being a very impactful player. Uh, most people know about him because he's a first-round pick and he's, he's kind of rifled through the minors. Uh, but th- really what we need to win is a collection of guys that are, that are doing it the right way, that are, that are playing the game, that are optimizing their at-bats, they're controlling the strike zone. I mean, that, that's what you've seen this Toronto team do to where, where everybody was excited. Three or four years ago, um, young players at this level, when these guys were breaking in, they were having a hard time, and then they added to the mix. They gelled together a little bit. They were allowed to fail a little bit and not not be elite right when they get here. And now you look up, and it's a pretty good lineup that's tough to get through because they, they're they potent. And I think that for us is going to be important. Riley Green's going to be in the center of that for us. and um, and, and But he doesn't – we can't have him be the only guy that we're that, – that we're talking about it. We've got Matt Veerling and Nick Mason and Spencer Torkelson and guys that are trying to find their way. And as you know, in the big leagues, that could be a little choppy. Mm-hmm. You know, AJ, I've read a lot about uh, talking about wanting your team to learn to control the strike zone. And, and that is part of a team's development. A question for you in some ways. And I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a Philistine here. I understand analytics and everything. It, 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 everything has a purpose and everything, you know, information's good. But in some ways, does all the technical, technological stuff make it a little more difficult to do that? You know, because it's easy to it's easy to see a flaw when you're looking at video, right? It's easy to see a flaw. Sometimes you got to be told what you're doing right. But man, you know your flaw. Sure. Well, I would tell you this: you can control the strike zone by smoking the first pitch. You don't. <laughs> yeah, that's to, true. Right. It doesn't mean you have to. You can control the strike zone in every count. It's not about being passive or trying to have this picture-perfect swing. The numbers are going to tell you your success and failure rate. It's not going to tell you what your approach should be or, or who to go attack. And Like, listen, last night, Gosman, you missed that first-pitch fastball. You're getting that nasty split at some point. There's no numbers that you need to know to, to know right. that. It's, not, it's, it's just facts that, that, that we know how difficult it is to match up. So I, I don't think that today's technology or today's data – um, is ever a bad thing because you got to play the game. When guys pop it in fastballs, if, if Bassett throws a ton of first pitch strikes tonight, guess what? We should probably start swinging early in the count. If he's erratic, we should probably take. That's not doesn't have anything to do with his walk rate or or long term strike rate or kind of what his shapes are. It's about playing the game of baseball, and we 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 will have a ton of information that we provide our guys. Sometimes your eyes watching the game and your reactions in the game need to dictate what your strategy is. Is it hard to manage a first ballot hall of famer who's at the end of his career? That's the most important part of that question Mm -hmm. at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's hard when you have the character of Miguel and, and how much we've interacted and talked and he's very, very aware of where his body is and how difficult it is for him to play every single day. And, um, he, he takes the team first approach. I mean, he knows we have a lot of young guys we're trying to get at bats for. So, you know, he could make it hard on me if it were, if he, if he didn't agree to, to, the, to the process that we have and the, and, the, and the plan that we have. But he's been spectacular, man. He's so awesome to celebrate. We're going to do a, you know, every city that we go to makes a great recognition to him. Fans have been great. and The, the opposing teams are applauding for him. Our home fans are begging me to play him more and more at home so they can see him play one last time. So Miguel doesn't want to be a figurine or, or someone paraded around as a, as a future Hall of Famer. He just wants to be part of a team that's getting better and hopefully winning more games. But um, Miguel's terrific behind the scenes and 
and still has a youthful vibe to him. And, and, and we need to respect the fact that he's done incredible things throughout his career and we'll celebrate him accordingly. Last question for AJ Hinch uh, before we let you run. When the renovations were announced at the Rogers Center and when we saw the renovations at the Rogers Center, the first thing I said to Kevin was, I got an issue with the visitors' bullpen being that close to the fans. I mean, I just i've i've covered enough i've covered sports in Toronto for a long enough time to kind of know where that was going to go at some point. You're you're the first team in here. You guys have had you know we we know the story about the beer can that fell in or the water bottle that fell in. You guys have had some interactions with the fans, and and I loved your comments yesterday because it was pretty clear that you got some ideas where this might be going. Is it, do you, it, it yeah. it's going to be, I mean, AJ, I'll flat out ask. It's going to be an issue, isn't it? Well, it's going to be a challenge just because of the competitiveness of sports and fans, um, you know, have fun and, 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 you know, love their home team. And you guys have a lot of teams in the East that are going to come up here and, and I'm sure there's going to be banter. Our guys have enjoyed it because it's the back and forth. Our personalities are good. It, it, it's it is it's around the league at other places too. It's not just Toronto specific, mm. but it it comes out of fandom, which I understand. I do think there is an element or a line that we can't cross as as spectators at any sport, and certainly, you know, playing eighty one home games, it's going to be a home field advantage because the fans are going to give those guys a really hard time as they're warming up. We do have to keep it clean and keep it. Uh, you know, I, you say fell in. I'm not sure how that stuff got in the bullpen, but I'm sure it wasn't fall in. Um, <laughs> I was being I just, facetious. I hope there's no altercation. Like we don't right. want. You know, we have this in Oakland where the where you're sitting right up next to the fans, or you know, I played in Philly. I played in in a couple places. You could look if you go to, um, you know, Baltimore. You, the, the 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 bullpens are out in the outfield. Right. And there's there's so many places that this type of band happens in every place. Cleveland in our in our division. Um, it happens in every place. It, it just, you know, I'm just don't want any altercation, fans, players, security, because that distracts away from why everybody's at the game, which is to enjoy the the, the event. AJ, we're going to let you run. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, good luck. Yeah, have good good luck this year. Safe travels, and uh, we'll chat again. Thanks as always. Thanks a lot. Scotty, you guys got a good team to cover, so enjoy. Thank, Thank you, you very so much. much. That is AJ Hinch, former teammate of Kevin Barker's, one of many. Yeah. Yeah, he was. AJ's a very smart guy. Obviously, when you listen like to him it. talk, he's very—he's very, he's very good dude. It, it is. I—I I was listen, I was thinking last night whenever I was watching this team play, they didn't lose that game because this is just me. That the Blue Jays beat them. They beat themselves, yeah. and that's the thing. Early in the season, it's a—it's a. What's your expectations going into the season, and how quickly? Would they change? Mm-hmm. And the atmosphere around your team a lot of the times comes from your manager. AJ's a very great, he's a very good talker. Like he will sell it to you, right? You can listen to it. In his well, you voice. mean that in a good he's, way, I, too, because that's, I, that's, well, you got to do when that. When you're to on be a good. team like this who's trying to steal a base and not slide, yeah. sliding, how do you handle it? Because I've been on teams, some real bad ones. We're the manager, and you we're in a hockey town. Everybody thinks you go in there and you go throw things. We're grown men, dude. We look at other grown men that do that. They're silly. Yeah. What are you doing? It's not like I'm not trying hard to go out there. So there's a fine line you got to be careful. And the way he answered it, I think is perfect. Like yeah. it's just, it's that's the thing, right? The Tigers need a guy like him. 
to just sort of take the lumps, figure out who their really good players are. Like the Matt Manning, the first game, you thought if they were trying to win, they would have taken him out earlier. But you then know, you know. But then through, you know. But then third you, time through, he ain't seeing nobody. Right. The, the third time through with the Blue Jays, you ain't getting him. But they want to see, right? They're trying to feel it out. They're trying to figure out can he compete against a really good lineup. The answer is no to that. Now they know, right? I mean, it's just, dude did pitch with a fractured uh, toe. Okay, well, I, I mean, mean was, I'm, I'm sorry. The only thing I know is on the mound. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If you can't be on the mound, you can't throw it where you want to throw. Don't be out there. That's my point. Is with their organization, it's a fine line, right? It's where you're, and their team just doesn't look good. They don't play well. They're they don't run the bases the right. Well, it's very hard. They're being themselves a lot of the times, and you could hear it in his voice when he was answering the questions. So I just I, I wonder. I mean, look, I, I the, you know the thing that I. The thing that I I think of is you're trying to institute a culture or a philosophy, some sort of approach with your hitting, which is the right thing to do. But then you got a guy in the team, Javier Baez, who's kind of the exact opposite of what you kind of want your guys to be. Sitting 100. But but again but Kev but I guess my, my now guy, my right? point is a couple of things. First of all, this is a different general manager now. It's a different general manager now than 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 they had when they when they signed um, when they signed Javier Baez. They might have wanted a do over with that. Exactly. But my point was when that deal was made, like you know what you're getting with Javier Baez. Yeah, but you you sort of thought with him coming in, it might be go time for them. No, but but my point is it might have been, but. He's going to do what he's going to do. It's go time, stop time, no time, full time, half time, whatever. Javier yeah, Baez yeah. is going to be Javier Baez. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He just is. It, there, there's He is what he is. Yeah. And there's big flaws to his game. There's other parts of his game that on a good team are really, really, really good. And he can be a really, really important player. And, and that just gets back to I think it's so important – and I think sometimes yeah. we as fans so, and media don't understand this. When you invest in a free agent, you know, our eyes gloss over whenever Ross or anybody talks about, well, culture, we want somebody who can come in. We kind of, you know, just give us the best player. No, sometimes you do, when you make that investment, it's got to be in a guy who is going to be able to help you mold your organization, to help you mold your lineup. It just is. It, 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 it's a fact. That you, I mean, these are human beings and you need guys who bring that certain thing. And Javier Baez, again, to me, Javier Baez, great guy to, great guy, good guy to have on a really, really, really good team. I don't know if I'd be hitching my wagon to him as a cornerstone. Yeah, you know, him being the the head leader of your of your team and your organization is your point's probably not the the role that you want him to be in. You sort of well, just if, want him to go out there and be himself Kevin, and, if Miggy, and let somebody else be if, the leader. If Miggy were seven I, years younger, I, I, you would have, you know what I mean? I if Miggy were seven years younger. It's not. No, it's but if point. he were seven years younger than the uh, Javier Baez signing would have uh, made sense. Other than the balance of the lineup for the Blue Jays, the reason why you, you are taking the Blue Jays serious is because of their rotation. If you're a Tigers fan, the thing you might want to try and hang your hat on or how you want to build around things is your rotation. They've had some injuries. Uh, well, again, that that's the thing, right? And that's why I asked AJ about, tell me somebody that you, and I did say everyday player, I believe. So that's yes. why he answered it the way he answered it. But it just doesn't seem like they have that guy. It hasn't happened yet. There they've you had, go. They've had and until Torkelson they get that guy. And I, like, I like Riley Green. 
I think I Riley too. Green's going to be. You can tell a, he's got an idea to play. I think he's going to be he's a, a player. He's a good defender. Yeah, I think he's, he's going to be a base player. runner. So yeah. But doesn't it also kind of suggest to you how lucky the Blue Jays were to hit in Bo and Vladdy no at the same question. time? Oh, right. You, you look me? at what Detroit's going through, yeah, and Detroit, absolutely. Detroit drafted in a better position than the Blue Jays did for long for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it just kind of reinforce how lucky this organization is that those two kids? To, that those two guys kind of came together at the same time. It really does. It does. Because that's what isn't. That's what hasn't happened for the Tigers. No. That's what. No. That's what has not happened for the Tigers. Yeah. There's a lot of unknowns there. Uh, we are giving away the chance for you to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker. Whether you listen to the radio on our podcast or if you're watching us in 360 and. Hello, by the way, Mom. I presume you're watching us because I don't think there's any curling on right now. Um, All you have to do is text the correct answer. My mom loves her some curling. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question of 590-590. Yesterday's question and answer was, who won Rookie of the Year as a White Sox player and would later manage the team for eight seasons? It was Ozzie Guillen. Yeah. Who was the player manager for your winter ball team. Winter ball team, yeah. And it's safe to say that he had a pronounced influence in your career. He would he? have thrown things already if he was the manager. Oh, he, would have thrown, no, he would not have thrown <laughs> on the things. Field. He would not have thrown things. He would have thrown people around. On the field. He would have thrown people around. <laughs> Today's question is to win tickets to I see. I would never get this question. Yeah, I, I'd never. I wouldn't either. Uh, today's question is to win tickets to the Jays and the White Sox game at the Rogers Center on April 26th. Who led the White Sox in wins for the 2005 season, the same year they won the World Series? Now, Ozzie managed that. And I covered that World Series and covered the White Sox for the playoff run, and I'm almost ashamed to admit I would not have gotten it. Me either. And it's a good win total. It's a healthy win total. Yeah. It's not one of those, oh, they led them with 12. Nah, this is a healthy win total. Mm -hmm. So, again, who led the White Sox in wins for the 2005 season? The same year they won the World Series. <clears throat> Text the correct answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. You can see rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Game three of the Jays-Tiger Series goes tonight at the Rogers Center. 707 first pitch on Sportsnet 590. The fan at Sportsnet. Dan Shulman is the TV voice of the Blue Jays. He'll have the call of the game tonight. He'll join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, I think tonight with the one, you know, Vladdy, you know, trying to score, you know, kind of a, a perfect kick off of the wall, which we're all kind of still learning a little bit, and then two perfect throws on a relay, and then Chappie probably got a little bit over anxious because he was running on the 3-2 pitch trying to go first to third. You know, perfect world, it's, you know, I think tonight, yeah, there's a time to force the issue a little bit and make things happen. But within that, you know, you got to understand, you know, who may come in from the bullpen, what matchup we may have at the plate. Um, so, yeah, maybe a little bit too aggressive at times. But, um, again, love the I love the thought of it. You know, I love the thought of guys trying to take the extra base. And still, it, you know, tonight it took three perfect throws to nail two runners. I mean, when they promised us more action on the base pass, Kevin Barker, with the new rules, they did not say that it was going to be bad action on the base pass. There's not a lot of good base running last night. We talked to A.J. Hinch. Uh, I didn't you know, mind the Vladdy one. No, I, I, 
th- this is where I was going with it. You know, A.J. Hinch, obviously, he has more issues, I think, with, with what his team did no than, than John Schneider because, again, stealing stealing a base and not sliding. Like Stealing a base ne- and giving yourself. I've never seen I've never seen a guy steal a base and go in holding his batting helmet like his only concern was getting hit by the throw. Uh, but you're right. The Jays ran into a couple of votes. Uh, oh. Matt Chapman's. That don't do it again. That was a bad read. Well, he's right in but, front of you. You know, so Matt Chapman has made his mistake for the year. Uh, and and I'm with you. The Vladdy one in the first. Like I was surprised so many people kind of made a big deal. I, I'm with you. I'm pushing the envelope there. I got no problem with yeah, that. Yeah, the dude on the mound for the Tigers is legit. Like he is a legit left-handed pitcher. He can throw it where he wants it to go. You got to have a really good idea. You knew they weren't going to score a ton of runs off him. Push it. I, I don't. I didn't mind that one. The other ones, you got to be a little smarter, and, and I'm sure they'll clean that up. And that's what you have to do sometimes against teams that you're going to be facing a tough guy. You got to push it a little. The Jays won 4 3 yesterday uh, against the Detroit Tigers. They will wrap up the series tonight. 7 07 first pitch. Our next guest will have the call of the game in the TV side. He is Dan Schulman, TV voice of the Blue Jays. Danny, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, joining us today. Uh, we, we played that clip from John Schneider after last night's game, because one of the things I, I wanted to talk to you about is just kind of now that you, you've seen this team in spring training, you've seen the, all of this team's regular season games as well. In terms of what the Jays are doing on the base paths or what they've done early in the year, have you noticed a, I don't know, a different approach from them because there was so much focus this year on the rules changes and by extension, so much focus on how every team was going to pay more attention to the running game. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's a different approach. I mean, I think John Schneider, you know, we talked about it last year when he became the interim manager guys, like this is the way he managed in the minor leagues. He likes pushing the envelope a little bit. He likes an aggressive team. Uh, maybe it's a little bit different of an approach, but honestly, I think it's just that they have changed some of the personnel. You know, you, I mean, you got to play to the strengths of your personnel to a certain extent. And, and listen, Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. both did a lot of really, really good things for this team in their years here. Base running was not among them. They were both negative base runners. They were both poor. They have poor base runners. Mm-hmm. You bring in Kiermaier and Varsho who I honestly believe, I don't think this is hyperbole, they're outstanding base runners. Mm-hmm. Like, they're great base runners. Uh, I mean, we've already seen, you know, remember Varsho with that crazy hard turnaround first, got halfway to second. You know, life is, like his life depended on it, but then read the play and got back to first. We all remember the hustle double uh, that Kiermaier had a few days ago. So uh, I think it's just more that, you know, they've kind of traded out two subpar base runners for two outstanding base runners. Um, Vladdy looks the same to me. Bo looks the same to me. Springer looks the same to me, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So um, in terms of last night, I think they're kind of different. Like Vladdy got waved home, right? He got sent, you yeah. know, so it's not Vladdy's fault. That's right. And I'm not, yeah. You know, and, and, and I'm not throwing this at the feet of Luis Rivera there. You know, there, there's no such thing as a perfect third base coach. There were two outs in the inning and it's an interesting point. That wall's 15 feet closer now, or 16 feet closer now than it was last year. That ball's getting to the outfielder quicker, and that outfielder has a shorter relay throw to the infielder. So that's something to remember. You know, the Chapman one, and, and you just said it, Kevin, he won't do it again. You know, everybody yeah. knows don't make the first or third out at third base. And had he not been running on the pitch, he wouldn't have tried. But it's a lot easier to go second to home than first to third, and, and he knows that. 
Um, so, but I think uh, on balance, I think they've been a great base running team. You know, I got a full year of Whit Merrifield too, who in my mind is also a plus base runner. So I just kind of think they're playing to the strengths of their current roster a little bit more. And I think it's helping them. Uh, speaking of Chapman, do you think offensively it's okay for me to think consistently all year that this is what we're going to get from him? Uh, 470 average. Well, yeah. that, that's a little living in a tree. I'm talking about yeah, I know. sort of, sort of like 370. A, but it would be okay to think 260, 270. Oh. You know, you're adding another 30 points. That may be 10 or 12 more homers. Now you're pushing, dare right. I say, Dan, 40 homers. So, right. So Matt Chapman in his two best years, let me call it up while we're talking here, hit 278 and then actually 249. The year he hit 249, he finished sixth in MVP balloting uh, because a 250 Matt Chapman with the power and the walks and the defense is a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. A 270, 280 Matt Chapman is a phenomenal player. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked him, I can't remember, it was on the road trip somewhere, might have been in Anaheim, um, uh, you know, about the changes and this and that. And he goes, you know, the best thing about it is when I go into a little valley, and listen, you know, everybody has peaks sure. and valleys, and I don't care who you are. He said, I've got very recent muscle memory and evidence and video that I can go back to and say, that's what I was doing when it was going well. So um, I asked him in Dunedin, what are your offensive goals this year? And he said the same thing he said to other people. Use the whole field more. I've gotten away from that and uh, cut down on the strikeouts, cut down on the swing and miss. And he's always going to have some swing and miss. Uh, up there, but boy, when he makes contact, he is making he's making the hardest contact of anybody in the majors. And and you know, to your question, Kevin, I um, I I think as long as he stays healthy and stays with this plan, even if he has you know a uh, an 0 for 12 over three games or something like that, you hit a few balls hard. Mm-hmm. Stay with your approach. Don't get pull happy. Don't you know? Don't try for. He's strong enough. He doesn't have sure. to try for home runs to hit home runs. Um, and he told me that we were walking out to the field and he kind of pointed at his forearms and he said, like, I know I'm pretty strong. And I kind of just stood there. I didn't point at my forearms or anything like that. So, but but I, I, I think if he keeps doing it and, and it, you know, Buck and I are both suckers for this. And I know some sure. people roll their eyes up the middle and, and to the opposite yeah. field. There's so many hits out there, there and, and there are hits that do damage and extra bases and drive and runs. And if he keeps doing it, I don't see any reason why he can't have the guy yeah, here. The fences yeah. are closer. You know what that does too? That adds length to your barrel. That means he wouldn't strike out as much. He, he puts more balls in play. He hits more homers. I think it's a win-win yeah. for everybody. Yeah. I, I could easily, I mean, he's hit 36 in a season before he hit 27 last year. And if, if memory serves had a really rough April, like mm-hmm. he didn't get going, uh, at the beginning. And then he had a stretch where I remember saying time and time again, there's another 395 foot out for Matt Chapman. He hit a bunch of those too. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think he's poised to have a good year and it's a pretty good year for him to have a good year, you know, huh. given that he's heading into free agency, regardless of where he winds up mm-hmm. next season. Dan, is Kevin Gossman going to be better this year than he was last year? I think he could be equally as good, but the numbers could be better. Um, right. And, and this, you guys have talked right. about this, I'm sure, a hundred times. You know, historically bad luck last year on balls in play, like just craziness. The kind of thing that 20 years ago we wouldn't have known, right? We didn't have the analytics or the ability to have somebody explain to us 364 batting average on balls in play, worse than 60 years or whatever it is. So, um, you know, he came out of the shoot. His six weeks at the beginning of last year, 
That's about the best six weeks. You know, that's up in like Roy Halladay's best, mm-hmm. Roger Clemens' best. Uh, now they did it for a year, and and he had, you know, he had to make some adjustments because they were adjusting to him. Uh, but I thought he was great last year, uh, and um, I can't remember what his, his ERA. I think was three thirty two or something like that. He was better than that. I, I I thought he pitched basically as well as Alec Manoa did last year. But the numbers didn't show it, and and you know whether it was the the shift and the squibbers and the bleeders and, and that that kind of stuff. So um, I think he is going to have a terrific year. I mean, he had a great spring, and he's added some things too. His command with his splitter is very sharp now, as it almost mm-hmm. always is. He's added the the low four seam fastball that he is using every now and again. Um, you know, getting called fastball strikes like that are in the zone, but they see the ball down and they give up on it because they think it's the splitter. You know, he's a smart dude, right? He's been around a while and they, they have a good game plan. Um, he was kind of a trendy uh, Cy Young pick, mm-hmm. um, you know, on betting sites. And, and I'm not a better, but uh, he was, he's, he was kind of a trendy Cy Young pick and, and I bought in. He looks great. And if he just has normal luck, I think his numbers are going to be great this year. It's a fascinating point you made about getting getting called strikes with it. Because I told Kevin, man, if you're if you're working on something as a pitcher or trying to incorporate something new, getting a called strike with it has to be like the ultimate affirmation, right? Yeah, yeah, it really does. Uh, and, and we had a we had a package built that we didn't use last night because I think he only had one or two fastballs down for called strikes. Like last night, his splitter was exceptional, right? Yeah. And he just kept going to it. So. Um, but, it, it, you know, we saw, I can't remember the team that it was that all of a sudden, it might have been Minnesota. Remember that one game where they just laid off last yes. year and it was like, what's going on here? And um, so one of the adjustments he's made, you throw the fastball down for a called strike and now the hitter goes, oh, man, I can't give up on the ball down. I got to at least consider swinging at the ball down and you swing at the ball down. It, it makes the splitter even better. Dan, I do, I do have to ask because you're around this team. You're in the you're in the clubhouse a little bit more than me. I did ask John Snyder about the second base position, but I I don't really want to ask you who should play. It's not fair. I do want to ask: Is there any concern about the relationship between the three players, the manager, the organization? Just uh, this is a little unfair to us, the player, because I, we're just not playing enough. Like it's right. hitting, playing's hard enough. You know, Santiago Espinal doesn't have a ton of at bats. You see how it looks, Dan? Like it just doesn't, right? It's it's not fair to the player. You think that's a concern for them and the organization? Um, I don't think it's a concern between the players. I mean, the players all understand who makes out the lineup, and I I think that Vigio and Espinal and Merrifield all like each other and get along. So. But like if it if it I was thinking about this last night, if it keeps going the way it goes for 162 games, say nothing changes. My guess is Merrifield's on pace to have like 450 at bats Mm -hmm. because he's playing. He's kind of playing three Mm -hmm. quarters of the time because of the left and right thing. And then, you know, Biggio and Espino. And 50 at bat range and and they all want to play more like, uh, you know, Witt understands where he is and the caliber of team he's on. But this was a leadoff hitter who played 162 games year after year after year. So it's an adjustment for him. Um, Espinal, as we all know, was an all-star last year, but the numbers fell in the second half. And I don't think he expected to get 600 at-bats this year. But I know, you know, obviously he hasn't had a start against a righty. Um, uh, You know, everything he's gotten is against the lefty. And his numbers are much better against lefties. And then for Biggio... They put him at second base against righties when Merrifield is somewhere else or they think it's a favorable matchup for him or he can play right field, that sort of thing. So 
Um, I think I do believe it's kind of the thing that'll play itself out, but playing itself out means one guy plays well enough to get more at that. And that means somebody else gets even less than they're getting right now. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's only, there are only so many at bats to go around unless somebody gets hurt and you don't want anybody to get hurt. So, um, I don't think the team is doing anything wrong here. They like, they have depth. They wanted depth and, and, you know, really what complicated that maybe complicated is the wrong word. Really what I think in part has cut down on the at-bats these guys are getting was the Brandon Belt signing because, and, and Brandon Belt may turn out to have a great year. I'm not saying it's a, it's the wrong signing or an issue or anything like that, mm-hmm. but like the Brandon Belt signing, uh, I don't know about you guys, kind of caught me by surprise. Mm-hmm. I thought they were kind of done um, or they might get like a right-hand hitting platoon outfielder, but um, you know, that, takes away from DH at bats, which means Springer's in the outfield, more Vladdy's at first, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it's just a – it's and he looks like a platoon player, but he's another guy in the mix of that 350, 400 at bat crowd. So um, because they have so much versatility, if you take anybody off the field, they can, you know, mix and match and, and figure it out. I don't know what else they can do right now, Kevin, honestly, mm-hmm. then see how it plays out. And if one of them steals the job, he steals the job. And, and you know, it's professional sports, right? That's, yep. the, that's the way things go. The, the advantage is I think they are very, very well insulated against virtually any kind of an injury on a position player's side. Because if something were to happen to Chapman or Bichette, Espinal goes over. If something happens um, to Vladdy, then Biggio's going to wind up playing a lot of first base. If mm-hmm. something happens in the outfield, Merrifield will play even more so. I just gotta. I, I think you just gotta play it out. You know, you're you're seeing pinch hitting during a game, right? Which makes sense. Um, take advantage of the platoon advantage, and I don't think it's a problem now. I think winning helps. I don't think it's a problem now, but I don't know what. The, I don't think they look at it as a problem. I don't know what you do about it. You've got nice depth, and and I think John Schneider loves having the opportunity to bring guys in off the bench, and that's another thing that guys like Merrifield, Bishop, and Espinal can do for you in games they're not starting. Yep. Danny, really good of you uh, to join us today. Thanks so much. Thanks for your patience with the phone. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and go get that possum. <laughs> okay, I don't even know if it's a possum. I, I got a picture of it. I'll show it. I know you guys will know a lot better than I'll know. I'll well, show Parker you picture will know a possum. Part. He's from the South. <laughs> okay. And they're good eating in the South. So oh, he'll really, know. Uh, really? Not, That's uh, too far. No, I think I'll stick with the poutine dog out of the right field bleachers. So. <laughs> Take care. Awesome. Thanks, Have man. Fun, Dan. See ya. Dan Shulman. TV voice of the Blue Jays, 707. Every time I hear the word possum, I think of Colby Rasmus. I just, I always do. And, and I don't know why. I'm serious, I do. And we got possum. I, now, you're rolling your you eyes. sleep at night? You're really? rolling you your eyes because you, I, you, you don't believe my tales of the wildlife we have in Hamilton. We get in our no, backyard. Tell, we get coyote. We coyote get, can jump fences that are eight feet tall. We do. Yeah, that coyote can. And I'm sitting in my backyard. The coyote runs through the yard and jumps the fence. How tall is the fence? Eight feet? Really? No, I didn't say That's he jumped said. our backyard. That's what you said. Anyhow, you did. So say we that. do. We got coyotes. <laughs> Flying coyotes. We've we've got coyotes, and we do. We got possums. And I heard a possum. Possums will walk along that the. They do eat. They eat wood ticks, oh, man. man. They got uh, there's an enzyme in their stomach that allows them to digest. You can look at it. It's it's on the interweb, so it's got to be true. I think she's 416 and they are good eating. 416-413-3959 is uh the number of the back leg line line lime. 
Lyme disease, I wood see. ticks. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Back leg line. Questions for Kevin Barker. Comments for Kevin Barker. Dave in Ontario. Which part of Ontario? Could be any part. Dave from Back Lake City of Ontario has got a it. question for you. Just wondering um, what you guys thought about. Uh, do you think they brought Mattingly in in case the guys got off to a rough start this year? Um, just as a backup for for a manager position in case, you know, if, if they didn't get off to a good start, then um, they'd have someone to they could get rid of Schneider. Uh, not mean anything bad against Schneider. I love the guy. He seems like a great guy. The guys seem to love him. And uh, I was just wondering if if you think that's why they brought Mattingly in. I know he's he's good for the the young younger hitters and stuff. He's one of the greatest hitters of all time. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to know what you guys thought about that. Uh, I'll let you go. And I just want to say I love your show. You guys are great. And I missed y'all winter. It's great nice. to have you back. Thank go you. Jays, go. Nice. Thank you. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll just say it very briefly because I think we're on the same page. Ball that you talk about. It. I mean, I think it's one of those things that it's it's. Yeah, and you're seeing this more and more in baseball right now. And Jeff Passan kind of pointed out to me. Think of Alex Anthopoulos leaving and going to the Dodgers for a year or so, just kind of biding his time, waiting until something comes along. Boom, he becomes GM of the Braves. I think teams now are willing to take. The Jays assigned James Click, former Astros GM. Dude's got a World Series ring. I think teams are willing to bring people in on a temporary basis. And the trade-off is this. And we know Don Mattingly is involved in that bid to get Nashville um, an, an expansion team as well. Don Mattingly has a value to your team, to being around your team. He has a value to a young manager. And if you're Don Mattingly, it does not look bad in the resume that – one of the best teams in the league wanted you to come work with them. Like, I just think to me, it's one of those things where sometimes it's a perfect fit for everybody. And there's no, like there's, there's no issue because of it. Hey, John Schneider talked about this uh, a couple of days ago in his pregame. He was asked about Mattingly and he said, you know, there's back and forth between us, but, uh, and, and John, and I love the way he said it. He said, one of the things Don does when I have a question for him, he answers with a question. And that indicates to me that Don Mattingly understands that his role right now is to give advice, right? And one of the ways you give advice is to find out what the dude in charge is thinking. So I think, I, I think. So yes know, or no, they brought him here for, if you can, John, he'd be the manager. I don't think you'd give John, what did they give him, three-year contract? I have no idea. I, I didn't ask John. I don't. I don't now, I, I didn't see it that way. I, I didn't see it that way. I think the James Click thing is every, more... Every, I didn't see it that everybody way. Everybody that I've talked to on the field love John. They, they love him, the person. They love what he brings to this team. Uh, we heard rumblings last year of that mature thing in the clubhouse, which I chuckle at. doesn't matter what I think. I think Don Mattingly, they needed a guy. They needed one of those sort of... It's Don Mattingly. And he was available... And why not, right? And and push comes to shove when it comes playoff time. They need all the people headed in all the right directions I, that they could get, and they could only help to have Don Mattingly on your team. And you know, it's it's uh, you see you see Bo Bichette around him a lot. You see Vladdy around him a lot. You see Dalton Varsho around him a lot. You see Matt Chapman around him a lot. If I know, last time I checked, that's your best players. I, I'll also say this about Don Mattingly. I saw him in the outfield too with the pitchers, yeah. which is very odd. 
but I saw him yesterday out there standing and they were doing things and he and was acting like he was throwing breaking balls, which is kind of cool to watch also. Don Mattingly is one of those guys that, you know, this is this this team's full of guys who had fathers who played in the majors. Don Mattingly was one of their father's favorite players. He was everybody's favorite player. And I think in a team like this, it's good to have a guy like that who is got the pedigree of winning in the past, but also was enough of a name that it carries instant credibility. It's a nice mix. They got him, they got Edwin, they got Victor Martinez. It's a nice mix. And I also think John Schneider's smart enough to know that Don Mattingly has, there's no situation he has not faced and no situation in which he's had to make a decision. That's it for us. Enjoy the baseball. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great day.